0: Caring will save the world, I think. I see caring people all around
1: us. I'm also really concerned about people in more precarious situations than I am in, and knowing that their lives are already feeling the disruption.
2: I almost feel this, like, compulsive drive to facilitate connection.
3: Hi, this is You and Me and Everyone We Know, an audio diary made by everyday people living through the COVID-19 pandemic. I'm Brent Love, and whether you're listening to this right now or you're a guest on this podcast, you're part of a community. You are not alone. Thank you for taking time to listen, time to connect, and time to remember that we're all in this together. In this episode, we're talking to Liana, Laura, and Anthony. Liana is the youth program manager at World Vision in Armenia. Laura is a printmaking artist in Minneapolis and Anthony is a therapist and professor in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. In the first part of this episode, we're talking to Liana. During my two years of Peace Corps service, I worked at World Vision's regional office in Stepanavan, Armenia. Liana volunteered to be my counterpart and worked closely with me during my service. She quickly became one of my closest friends. I lived in Stepanavan for two years, but for Liana, Stepanavan is her hometown. Her parents still live there. But Liana moved nearly a decade ago to Yerevan, Armenia's capital city. When we talked on April 2nd, Liana had been quarantining at home for weeks with her daughter, Yeva. Armenia has a history of hardship and rebuilding. And already Liana is looking back to the hardest days she's lived through and how her community got through them. We use only two Armenian words during this conversation. The word John, which is a term of endearment. And we say hajo-majo, which is a sweet way to say goodbye. Hi, Liana.
0: Hi, Brenton.
3: It has been a, a, a while since we talked last. I can't quite remember.
0: I remember, you, remember? you were in Yerevan. A no. year ago. Was summer. that
3: was uh, that was almost two years ago. No, three years ago.
0: No, it was last year, no?
3: No, it was two thousand seventeen in August.
0: Oh, it was like last year for me.
3: I know, can you imagine? <laughs> I, I do it. feel like I, I remembered that the other day and I was like, huh, that's like longer than Peace Corps.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> wow. Time <France> flies. <laughs>
3: It doesn't, I, I do think that time is moving faster right, for me right now. Is it kids or is it age?
0: Uh, that's a good question. Well, when I look at Yeva, how, how, how fast she grows up, I was recently going through her photos of, what, what two years old, three years old. I was mm-hmm. like, is this a different kid? <laughs> <laughs> she, she's grown up so fast but I don't feel myself an older really. I feel myself the same.
3: <laughs> I have to say I do feel myself older and the reason oh, is you do? Yes, because I have thrown my back out like three times with the kids.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's because they're small.
3: <laughs> yeah. It's uh having really small children, I don't I don't know that I understood how hard it is on your body after they're born. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of lifting. Yeah, and the more the bigger they grow, the heavier they become, and <laughs> the more you break your bones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
3: Do you, is that still true? How old is Yeva now?
0: Yeah, she's eight.
3: Eight. Oh my god.
0: Yeah, in a long time.
3: And yeah, uh, is she still breaking your back?
0: Uh, literally no. Uh, since this new year, I have never been uh, holding her like Mm -hmm. hugging her because in the new year we went to see how the lights on the christmas lights are being lit and Mm -hmm. she couldn't see because there was a crowd and she was in the middle of the crowd very short baby so i had to lift her to see that was the last time i did it i i really think i got some disease some sickness back then (laughs) that will (laughs) come up later in my years (laughs) but that was the last time i was doing it (laughs)
3: oh man uh, well um i am sure that uh i'm sure that she misses it it's funny that um how much phoebe wants to be held now all the time yeah yeah and and casper be- um he is nine months now and i'm sure he wants to be held all the time but he isn't able to ask so i, I think uh, i'll yeah. be more
0: Oh, poor kid.
3: <laughs> I know. Poor cat for the second child is uh I think it's um true for all second children. You get yes. held less, you become more independent.
0: <laughs> yes, that's me. I'm a second child. <laughs> <laughs>
3: me too. Me too. <laughs> um okay, so how uh how are you right now in this world of coronavirus?
0: Uh This question sounds different in different hours of the day. Mm, Yeah. If you asked me this question earlier today, I would say I'm fine. I think it will be over soon and we'll go back to the regular life. But when you ask it now, I've been watching news for the whole day now and I've been doing some projections in my mind. I'm a bit scared, really. Oh. I don't feel like life's going to be the same again and oh uh, i fear for the rest of the 2020 and spring of 2021 yeah i don't want to go back to the 90s of armenia you've heard many times about 90s of armenia right yeah this post-soviet post-earthquake post-war situation in armenia that was really really tough and i was a teenager and Now, when I recall how the life was back then, I wouldn't want my child to have the same feelings and same memories of the childhood. So that scares me a lot. I'm like crazy. I'm trying to save money. I'm trying to make my husband engage more in the agriculture, something that he was doing and I was arguing with him all the time. Now Now I don't complain. I say you should do more. Oh, you know, but sometimes this feeling goes and the hope comes back that the government is really uh, caring now. They are doing their best. They are supporting the businesses, supporting the most vulnerable who have lost their jobs due to this. I see their care, so I'm hopeful that they will do everything for the for, for the country not to suffer so much. So it's, it's both, you know, it's, it's hopelessness and hopefulness.
3: (laughs) I, um, like I, I wasn't sure I could predict how you would feel, um, about all of this. Uh, I wasn't, um, I, I actually didn't check like Armenian news before we talked. Mm -hmm. Um, Is it kind of hitting the country hard right now from what you can tell?
0: It's not hard, hard right now. Uh, it's getting there, actually. <clears throat> it's been mild so far. But uh, starting from today, I feel that we have some days to come, some worse days to come before it goes slow, slows down. Uh, I have a feeling that now the economy starts to struggle now. Mm-hmm. And uh, it will have hard times before it improves again. I mean, I don't think it will improve anytime soon. But the worst days are yet to come. We have uh, a six, about 600 cases now, uh, four deaths, um, and our Minister of Health says we will reach 2,000 cases by 14th of April. Wow. So, I um
3: are you home now? Are you like doing yeah, the home. quarantining?
0: I'm um, doing and... the self-isolation with Yeva. Mm-hmm. But we work from home. World Vision works from home. Uh, World Vision has switched its operations. We are supporting uh delivering food and hygiene items to most vulnerable families. So uh some staff on the fields are delivering, others are doing packaging in the national office um i personally work for other stuff but i i work from home and i get paid for that but i've been home for uh 15 16 days now
3: wow yeah um and are you are you all in a house now i can't remember if you last time we talked i mean it was 3 years ago being in an apartment or
1: mhm
0: that's on the 11th floor in, in the Center of Yerevan, 11th floor, uh, yeah, a a condo that's what you call it,
3: yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, so where is this agriculture happening? Uh,
0: we have a a yard with Queen's trees, you know, Queen's, right?
3: Mm -hmm. Like, uh, I think we, I don't know if we say Queen's or Queen's or I don't actually, yes, Uh, yes,
0: yeah, okay, you know what it is. So we have about 1800 trees majority of which is queens some there's some apples pears etc that's Wait, in that's Yale. a huge
3: that's like a farm
0: yes yes that's 1 hectare a full of farm. land yes yes uh, i wouldn't call it a farm we call it ya- yard uh, or orchard or orchid?
3: i would call it a farm but we have a low bar here i think
0: <laughs> okay anyway okay <laughs> so we have a farm uh that's in Yehvard. Yeghvard is about 25 minutes from Yerevan. Like 30-40 mm-hmm. kilometers.
3: I think it would be hard to be in a condo harder to be in a condo now uh, with this sheltering in place. Do you find that?
0: Uh, we have a balcony. So in the mornings Yeva and I go to the balcony to get some vitamin D. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, and I have put all the inside flowers into that balcony so it's kind of a a a mini park where we sit (laughs) and uh, (laughs) have an outside time (laughs) i don't feel really bad being inside Uh, the only thing is that i i don't walk i like to walk a lot not exercise Mm -hmm. but i like to walk a lot and i don't walk inside the house how much can you walk in the two room house or three room house uh, and Yeva, she's very much a house person she's not an outside person she doesn't like being outside a lot so she enjoys her stay i could say <laughs> <laughs> uh,
3: is she doing um school now like is there a school from home kind of thing or is it a break
0: she's doing school from home actually armenian schools did an excellent job i would never think that Armenian education system is so much prepared for the uh, online education directly like a week after this uh, uh, emergency started they were all prepared to deliver the classes online all the teachers do it online all the kids are you know they're doing their homework sharing with each other their videos it's happening increasingly across the country and Yeva is of course part of it she goes to Waldorf school I don't know if you're familiar with this methodology yes Uh, that's kind of different from a regular Armenian school Mm -hmm. they have less homework more art stuff she's doing knitting playing on flute doing uh, stuff with clay so it's more uh, uh, creative stuff rather than actual learning yeah she loves it too so yeah she does both Uh, and the handworks and the classes of course she doesn't like the homework part
3: (laughs) (laughs) so I am of course thinking a lot about my friends in Yerevan and thinking a lot about my friends in Stepanavan do you know how Stepanavan is doing now
0: uh, yes, of course. My parents are in Stepanavan and yeah. I got a call from Armine. You remember Armine, right?
3: Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, yes.
0: I got a call from Armine yesterday. She's now, she went to Stepanavan yesterday and starting from today, all the uh, regional roads are also closed. You can't travel from region to region, from Mars oh. to Mars. So she's wow. stuck in Stepanovan now. <gasps> uh, yeah. Well, that's bet for 10 days. I she's just
3: so not happy about that.
0: <laughs> no, she's very happy. <laughs>
3: oh, she's happy, she's oh, really good.
0: happy. Yeah, she Yeah, she's happy to be in Stepanavan, rather, than in Yerevan on these crazy days. Yeah. But uh, uh, it snowed in Stepanavan this morning.
3: <laughs> oh, my gosh.
0: Yeah, the weather, usually it would be much warmer, uh, but this year the weather is kind of cold. Uh, I have to say, and, uh,
3: living in Stepanavan prepared me for life in Minnesota, which
0: is <laughs> quite cold. Yes, I know. I can imagine. It's Cold, cold. and humid.
3: <laughs> Although we've been having unseasonably warm weather. Yesterday we had the picnic blanket out and the babies outside in the yard and it was quite oh, nice. Oh,
0: that's so nice to have a yard yeah. and to have picnic to touch the green. <laughs>
3: It's honestly, Liana. It is a gift, and I know how um, what a privilege it is right now. You know, I, oh, yeah. our house is next to an apartment building, and I just am feeling like, yeah. oh man, all of these people are looking out their windows at us with the yard.
0: <laughs> I know, especially for the kids, they have to be outside. They have to breathe the air.
3: Yeah. yeah when it's we go very, out with Yeva, nice.
0: she says she she gets tired very quickly. That's because mm. she's been home for so many days. She cannot get used to the outside air, you know?
3: Yeah. Yeah, wow. Um, yeah. So what are you doing to kind of stay calm and keep sanity?
0: <clears throat> well, I have to tell you, I wake up uh, around 8 in the morning and at 9 I sit in front of my computer. I have so much to do for work. Mm-hmm. that i barely in, in in between i try to do some stuff at home cooking uh, cleaning etc but i i mainly work there's a lot of work to do and i have to say working from home made me so much more effective than working in the office <laughs> you know i can sweep the floor and uh, uh, write a proposal for a, a grant project <laughs> <laughs> i can't, I couldn't believe i could I could combine these two different <laughs> words mm-hmm.
3: yeah uh, it, isn't that funny i think um uh I think that businesses are going to start finding that their employees are more productive uh from home without the distractions of like social interaction, which is kind of terrible
0: <laughs> Wait, that is terrible, but that's so true. I, I knew true. in the past that for writing a report, I needed to go to cafeteria where there's a lot of people. I needed noise to write a report. Mm-hmm. Now I understand that I really like this uh, combination of non-combinable tasks to be productive.
3: <laughs> it almost is like um, you you can when when it's time when it's finally time to stand up from the computer it actually yeah. feels good to kind of get move your body enough to sweep or do the dishes, you know, or something. Yes, it's like yes, a yes. tactile thing that actually feels good to do. Like it actually feels like a break.
0: Yeah. Yeah, actually, that's what my, one of my lessons learned from working from home. You have to combine physical and mental. You cannot do mental all the time. It's not mm-hmm. from 9 to 6 in front of the computer. It's 9 through 11 and then you do something active. I don't know, wash the dishes or whatever. And then you'd sit in front of the computer again for a few hours, then do something again. This combination is really, really working well for me.
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Excellent. I, You know, the thing I would miss about Armenian office, and an Armenian office, and I don't know if this is true in, in the World Vision Yerevan office, but I would uh-huh. miss the coffee time.
0: Oh, yes. My favorite, too.
3: <laughs> oh, it's <laughs> so good. Especially in the mornings.
0: Before starting
3: the works, yeah, and it, the smell of the coffee, the coffee's uh-huh. being made. All the cups are out. People like all gather around. It was my favorite part of the day in Stepanovan yeah. when we worked together. Um, yes, and I would absolutely miss that. It's not part of of American office culture uh, at all. The having like a coffee break together.
0: Oh no, it's it's really good thing, and it's I don't think it destroys the working environment it, it only helps the process of work you do the inofficially uh, or um, informally you gain so much more than doing the formal uh, oh you were i mean you always
3: use those uh, coffee breaks to get things done like you were always yeah. checking in with everyone did you do this did you drive there did you meet this person <laughs> I, I very much remember that about you in the coffee break
0: Yes, yes, that's how I use the informal one. And I wasn't intentional, really. I just thought, oh, wow, well, this is a good moment to ask these questions, you know?
3: I haven't thought about that in a while, but you really were a great boss.
0: Oh, no. Yeah. You serious?
3: Yeah, a great boss. You were so... Because you always checked in, but it always felt nice. It didn't feel like you were <laughs> like, I don't know, standing over me, looking over my shoulder, you know? It just felt <laughs> like... Oh, we're just moving things forward and I want to know how this is going. Like it de- and you and we were great. You we were really fun to work for and I think everybody <laughs> felt that way.
0: Uh, thank you. That's so nice to hear. That was my first time being a boss actually.
3: <laughs> You're very good at it. You're and it felt efficient. It felt like we were all like it was actually working also. Like we were all doing stuff. Thanks, you know, moving
0: forward.
3: Thank you. Nice to hear. Um, so are you doing any of the, you know, Are you doing any of the coffee breaks on Zoom or video chat?
0: (laughs) You know, I have a group of past colleagues that are my good friends now. Uh, One of them constantly initiates this call. She says, okay, make your coffee. I'm going to call in five minutes. So we all run for coffee. We take our mug, sit in front of the computer, and then she calls. Then we all drink together the coffee and chat and go to the regular stuff we would do in the office.
3: Now, you know what I love about Armenian coffee is, uh, is uh, reading the coffee grounds.
0: <laughs> do you think
3: it's possible over a video call?
0: Oh, you know, I'm a master of that. I do. Uh, people on the queues for me to read their <laughs> cups. I think it's possible online also. <laughs>
3: okay. Well, you know, if, if uh, the economy really does have a hard time, you can always um, <laughs> offer this as a service uh, over the oh, internet.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I, I see Armenians
3: think... paying for this. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Good. I will tell everyone it was your idea.
3: <laughs> yeah, you know, and if you need you some interest. marketing in the US, I will... Um, I will uh, promote it here. Maybe you can get some U.S. Uh, customers. I think everyone will want to know the future for sure.
1: <laughs> I
0: will become international. <laughs> <laughs>
3: oh, oh man, oh, feels good to laugh with you.
0: <laughs> yes. You're well, good um, during the day.
3: Yeah, the, it's uh, especially when you're by yourself. It, it's hard to laugh so much.
0: <laughs> you know, Eva wants to be active and laugh and sing and run and dance and move around and fall and stand up and fall again. Mm -hmm. She wants Mm -hmm. to be active all the time. And that makes me crazy. I like silence. I like when I'm on my own. And I feel guilty for not giving her what she wants. And that's for so many days now. I, I have the feeling of guilt, the feeling of love, the feeling of care, all this mix of what the feeling of responsibility which overwhelms <sighs> yeah
3: the um the new pressure of parents with young children is something new, I think for our generation of parents
0: Yes, you've the, never no. spent full day with your child
3: yeah and and the feeling. Um the feeling of um not knowing the like how how to parent how to work and parent at the same time all day yeah. every day is really new yeah and it's like have i mean truly it's like having two jobs two full-time jobs at the same oh, I time i know
0: i know and two very different jobs
3: yeah and one of them can have some structure you can have some you can tell people you want to get together at 9 and the other one it's like the people you work with at your parenting job they don't have a schedule <laughs> they <laughs> don't care about create, it
0: <laughs> I'm trying to create a routine for us, uh, yeah. for example, until twelve she should be done with the classes. I should be done with the major stuff of the work, so I can do fast off, more often breaks, but it doesn't work
3: <laughs> well i i you know the the flip side of it is that um. I feel like I'm getting to know my kids in a new way,
0: yeah, that yeah. I wasn't expecting. I can agree yeah
3: and uh when when it comes to uh, you know kind of having the anxiety of the crisis, it yeah. feels good to be connected to my family more deeply now
0: oh yeah,
3: and I feel grateful yeah. that I don't have to work away from home,
0: yeah you know, especially but, far
3: away from home as some families are.
0: yeah. But you know i I realized that <clears throat> Yeva has so many philosophical thoughts that I had no idea of, <laughs> and I feel guilty again for not knowing her good enough
3: <laughs> oh <laughs> well, you do now, you will now,
0: yeah, I do now, yeah, so
3: that can that will go away and and i and I have this wonderful vision of the two of you sitting on the balcony surrounded by the plants, and I think that's really beautiful. <laughs>
0: i should take a picture for you
3: <laughs> i would love it i would love it I will. Uh, i'm also interested in what kind of view you have from the balcony 11 stories oh, I high see mount
0: ararat. oh yes How i wonderful. see shirak hotel you remember shirak hotel Oh
3: yes uh-huh. Uh-huh.
0: Yes, that's like in front of me wow. that's even destroying the view for mount ararat <laughs> i see part of it <laughs> <laughs>
3: Um, um well so I uh, I should wrap this up but I will I always ask if you have any words of encouragement for anyone listening who might need you know some uh, nice words from a friendly stranger
0: Mhm Yes sure uh I know that we're not going back to the world we were once Things have been very fast happening in our lives and that's good if it was slower, we would adapt and we wouldn't notice the change. This is a great opportunity to use the time to change change things around us and conquer this uh, disease with a better us. By better okay. us, by being a better ourselves, by Yeah. by knowing ourselves better, by caring for our close ones and far ones the ones we don't know more caring will save the world i think i see caring people all around us and i think the new world is going to be much closer to each other people are going to be more attentive and more caring to each other and i just i I encourage everybody to be like that and i'm going to be like that when i go out (laughs) someday yeah
3: (laughs) yeah um, thank you so much for doing this.
0: Thank you, Brento, jan It was great to hear you again.
3: Hajo majo.
0: Hajo majo.
3: In the second part of this episode, we're talking to Laura. Laura is a printmaker, a sewist, and a working artist who has literally changed the face of Minneapolis. If you live in the city, you've seen her work in Skyways downtown and outside and inside city galleries. And recently she created the space Cheer where she's built a community and hosted classes. As we know, community spaces we love have an uncertain future right now. Laura and I talked on March 25th and honestly, it's incredible to look back at how different things were even a month ago. Laura was facing the uncertainty with a quiet confidence I found deeply comforting. And she reminded me to take this one day at a time, which turns out was just the advice I needed. Hello, hello, hello. Hi Brent. Hi, how are you? I'm
1: good, how are you? What a
3: question in these ages and times.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, I feel fine. My life, I already spend quite a bit of time alone. And I already have to make my own structure. So a lot of things have not changed day to day in some ways.
3: Um, so we both uh, use a space at the um, open book building. It's a, how, do you, how do you classify the whole building? Is it the open book building or it's, the Loth Literary Center? I actually don't know.
1: Yeah, the open, just as a little... Uh, plug for the open, for open book and all its organizations. Um, ah, okay, the yes. open book is an umbrella nonprofit organization that houses the loft literary center, milkweed editions and Minnesota center for book arts and, and a cafe and a cafe. Although they're not, pre- they're like a contracted cafe. Mm-hmm. Um, those three organizations came together to form open book in the late nineties. And then they bought that, that building that used to be two buildings and set up shop and they all are organizations that promote books and reading and looking and art and
3: and buying there are a lot of buying. good things to buy There's there so
1: many good things to buy there <laughs> yeah
3: um yeah uh, and uh you you work at the minnesota center for book arts you're a printmaker
1: i do um, i am
3: you do a lot of things at the building
1: I do. Yeah. I, I make my artistic work there. I use their equipment to make prints, postcards, books, things like that. So I do a lot of screen printing, letterpress printing, and then I sometimes work in their administrative offices when they need extra help as sort of a contractor. So, mm-hmm. uh, I also do some of the backend, you know, making education schedules, um, and working with teaching artists.
3: And I have uh, rented a studio space there for writing. And uh, it's a shame we haven't eaten lunch together more, but we do catch each other in the middle of work is basically what happens.
1: Yeah. It's always so nice to see you.
3: <laughs> yeah. And how lovely that we get to spend so much time in that space. Although not now,
1: not now,
3: not now. Cause, uh, because uh, we're, we're sheltering in place as of this afternoon in yeah. Minnesota. Yeah. I am, I'm assuming you, you know, heard that news already.
1: I did. I was, uh, you know, refreshing my mprnews.org page because I knew that mm-hmm. the press conference was happening. And I couldn't imagine that we wouldn't. I thought we were going to have shelter in place go into effect earlier uh, because there was a press conference on Friday. Mm-hmm. And I thought that he for sure was going to order it then, but he didn't. And so I'm not surprised that it's been ordered now. I'm really um,
3: and I, he also, I mean, I'm like coming upstairs to record this podcast with you and haven't fully read the news. But there's also um, part of the press conference was um, uh, ordering that businesses uh, remain shut through May 1st. Did you get? Did you hear that? Part yes. Also?
1: Like the restaurants, bars. I mean, we aren't service. Places. Yeah, we
3: aren't journalists here, people. So if <laughs> you need like the actual details of this information, also this will air far after this, but this is Googleable. But we're kind of just two real people processing what's happening in the processing world. Processing <laughs> the real news. Yeah. <laughs> and how we receive it, but um, yeah, it's pretty. That that to me is like more shocking. More shocking than shelter in place news. Yeah. For me. Yeah. you know the, I mean, like that open book will be closed until that, May 1st.
1: That what will, did you say? Open book. Oh, yes. Yeah.
3: And, you know, the, I think we were under the, well, we were all waiting to kind of see what would happen. And various people had various ideas about what would be open and what would be shut and how much time it would be. But now um, we know in Minnesota that it'll be over a month more of businesses staying closed, which is really nuts, really crazy.
1: Yeah, it is for me.
3: I don't know. How do you feel about it?
1: Um, again, I feel I am an introvert and there are some things about this time that I'm, I'm kind of grateful for a a break of sorts. Um, in my personal life, I'm also really concerned about people in more precarious situations than I am in and knowing yeah. that their lives are already feeling the disruption and the just there's the cushion. If there was any cushion, it's gone for people in more vulnerable situations. And, um, and so I, you know, those are the people I worry about when it's not a, when we're not in a pandemic. And so I, I'm thinking about those folks and, um, thinking about ways to help and, uh, trying to figure out what that might look like. And then, um, also thinking about my own, Way forward, I had just sort of begun to put a lot of energy into uh, a business that, or a a self, more self employment model for myself that was teaching classes, some at Minnesota Center for Book Arts, but also at my own studio in the Casket Arts building. Mm -hmm. And this sort of model that was all dependent on in person interactions, which I love. And uh, was everything was going really great. I would offer a class, people would sign up for it and and little by little, I was able to see, oh, I am able to make enough income from this to pay my bills and keep going forward. And then about a week or two, uh, I want to say, I had this really amazing weekend, the first weekend in March the like the Mm -hmm. 7th and 8th were just this like the weather was beautiful I taught a really lovely class at my studio I got to see a couple of friends and go to a couple of great bars and just like eat and drink and have a great time and it was just a really great weekend and then it kind of came to an end and I was like well that was probably it for a while (laughs) (laughs) Like we're probably done with that. And right after that, I was like, oh, also no one is signing up for art classes. No one is, is interested in this. And I was, I then would compare it to what I was seeing on the news. And I just realized that, oh yeah, this is, I have to figure out something different uh, moving forward for a while. And at first I felt really, uh, at first I felt really like very scared. And um, my my I could feel my physical and mental self going back to this time in my life when I had very little money and had just very little cushion in my own finances and uh, ended up on my couch under some blankets. And then um, a friend called to just chat and she totally lifted my spirits. and And then I started to think about how, Oh, I'm just, a, I'm a business. I'm a small business and I need to just figure out how to take my small business online, just like everybody else. And yeah. there are, there are people for whom the, the cushion is, uh, bigger or softer or heftier. And so, um, a lot of them, seem to be very, uh, so far have been really generous and supportive and have ordered art or have reached out in various ways and have been really supportive. And that's been encouraging. Um, and so I just think, um, everything is really unknown. And so I'm just now taking it a day at a time. And so
3: what does a day look like right now um, as you're trying to kind of read? <clears throat> form everything.
1: Yeah. A day looks like I sleep until seven and then I wake up and I listen to a little bit of news, but I really try to limit what I take in about news, um, to be about an hour or so of the radio in the morning. And then I turn Mm -hmm. it off and I've never been a hard, like, uh, get to work or anything by nine, but I am kind of trying to make that the the time by which I've, you know, gotten dressed, had breakfast, made my bed. Yeah. Um, Yeah. uh, Just so that I can then sort of, um, I think ideally I would go for a walk around the block at that moment um, to sort of delineate between morning personal time and then work time. But I haven't, I haven't uh, implemented that walk yet. Um, And then I like this morning I made uh I've been working on making masks for uh medical staff. Uh and then I okay. so I did those. I looked at some email. I went and I dropped the masks off at the clinic that my friend works at, and she gave me flour, which I have not been able to find and has made me really sad.
3: Oh and then I just
1: um she came down to get them and I handed them to her in a paper bag and she handed me a paper bag. And I was like, Oh, it's in here. And she was like, it's flower. And I just was so touched that I drove away and I kind of cried a little bit because I just thought, Oh, she knows what's valuable to me right now because I was talking about it on Instagram. Um, but, uh, like just thinking about how we are sharing what we have and That kind of spirit, I think, is what will get us through something like this. Um, And so that was really lovely. And then today I was very tired, so I took a nap.
0: Um, Ooh.
3: (laughs) A pandemic luxury. (laughs) A
1: pandemic luxury. Yeah, I took a nap and um, then I uh, had a phone call and then I... uh, did some dishes because I feel like I do dishes constantly.
3: Constantly. Oh my um, gosh. yes.
1: Now that I'm making, you know, making all my meals at home and doing that. And my kitchen is very small. So the dishes, like, it doesn't take long before the dishes sort of take minute, over. Yeah. So, yeah. So I'm doing this call and then I will... Pro- I don't know what's after this. What a, lo- what a little nice window of time. I have really taken to sewing in the evenings too, though. I feel in some ways I've been busier since the pandemic started or busier since the quarantine started than Mm -hmm. I was before. So I have managed to finish one quilt and made progress on another. So
3: I um, haven't, you know, I, I, I dream of sewing You you and I both love sewing and, uh, I dream of it. It is not happening for me with, uh, all of a sudden kind of 24 seven childcare happening. Yeah. Um, I mean, not that I was sewing while my kids were in daycare anyway, but somehow, (laughs) well, really what's happening is that the work that I do now happens while they're asleep, which is what I would have done while they were in daycare. Yeah. And, uh, and while they were asleep, I might've sewed. So yeah. I, uh, haven't done a lot of that and I haven't, um, uh, this is what I, this is my creative thing that I'm doing right now instead of sewing.
1: Yeah. I think that's, it's really interesting because I, a lot of my, I mean, even my sewing, pardon me, uh, switched from quilting to making the masks, which took a good, took a while, took several hours, uh, to make a, a batch of them for my friend who is a nurse. And Uh, and that's great. Um, but it also, it's just funny how things sort of displace other things, you Mm -hmm. know, like I think I'm more aware of, I think in my general life, I have this, um, I think I'm going to get so many things done in a day. And of course I never get as many things done as I want to, or I plan to. And I feel like Mm. my perception of that is now, finally maybe getting to be more accurate where I realize that I'm going to get a few things done in a day. Um,
3: yeah, it's very weird how time is kind of reorienting yes. itself and, and also, you know, just how the pattern of a day is totally different than it was before. Like, yes, I mean, I just feel like the day we started self-isolating with my family and the day before that, it's like a mark in time. Yeah. Everything that happened before that was a different life. <laughs> and I am in a different time now.
1: <laughs> it's very different. And, um, you know, time and distance are so different now, too, because, like, we're in the same city. And I drove past your house today on my way to deliver these masks. And I, you know, can't stop and talk. I and so I've I have another thing I've been doing is is trying to call a different friend every day or Marco Polo with a few friends um and oh my god
3: I just got on Marco Polo we will Marco Polo Oh, good
1: because Marco Polo is perfect for people with small children and I really miss seeing small children like small children love to be part of videos but they don't necessarily have the attention span for like FaceTime or something that's sort of indefinite So if it's a little video, they can like dance around or show off what they're doing or talk a little bit, but they don't have to like carry on a conversation. Um, Yeah.
3: I like, I totally just want to like FaceTime a whole bunch of people, but I can't get the (laughs) the timing to sync up right for a FaceTime conversation. Yeah. And so I can Marco Polo whenever the opportunity presents itself, which is for anyone who doesn't know, it's a video messaging app. So you're just sending like, instead of sending texts to each other, you're sending videos to each other and, um, yeah, it has worked really well with with the small kids and being able to really see people that I love every day. Yeah. Um, without having to, you know, get into maybe a 20 or 30 minute FaceTime call.
1: Yes, and you can just do it when you have a moment and it's mm-hmm. they're generally, I would say they're pretty quick um yeah. because you're not, you know, Maybe you're giving an update, but it's also just like, you can make it be as long as you want it. So yeah, that's really, nice. and it really
3: is kind of the content of a text message. You literally can yep. just ask a question over a video and then they answer it in their next video. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I've loved, loved that.
1: Yeah. It's really great. I had another
3: question for you before Marco Polo and I was, I'm trying to remember what it was.
1: Um, um,
3: I guess, uh, Oh no, I wanted to ask about the masks. Um, So I keep seeing oh, this yeah. everywhere. Um, How do you I mean, it kind of first of all, um, again, neither of us are health professionals find a health professional, you know, look at reputable sources, again, just two people processing, but how did you find uh, a place to like do these masks that would take them? Um, are they that useful? How do you know they're that useful? And what's well, the pattern? I mean, give me the full dish on the I masks, please, because th- I, I think, haven't talked to anyone who's made any of them.
1: Oh, sure. So I think that are they useful? TBD. We will find out. Um, and as I was making them, I thought to myself, these are really these seem kind of small. So I found. I mean, I heard there was a news segment on the radio, and then also lots of people mm-hmm. I follow a lot of sewists on Instagram, and so mm-hmm. a lot of them are talking about it and. I followed a pattern that I found on the Sew Good Goods website, um, which is a little sewing nonprofit in St. Paul that makes, usually makes like bibs and burp rags and blankets and things like that. And so they were putting together kits that went like crazy at Treadle Yard Goods over the weekend. Um, But I just put out a call for donated elastic, and a friend left me some on her. Uh, porch and it was enough for me to make about 20 masks for my friend who works at a detox clinic that wow. she had posted last week that they were completely out of any PPE equipment and she had like a Which bandana, is personal protective personal protective equipment I think equipment yeah. yeah and she had like a bandana over her face and she was treating patients that way wow. and so I knew that you know she's working in this situation where they don't have what they need and they're overwhelmed they had to cut their patient care on a daily basis like the number of patients that they would see mm-hmm. because of social distancing and so rather than just send these masks out into you know some nameless place i just said hey i want to you know give you right a first refusal for these and so she was like we will take them and so i took them over there today. Um, but then I found a new, uh, as I was making them, like I said, they kind of felt like they were a little bit narrow, uh, horizontally, like to cover nose and mouth. And I found another pattern, um, on a website called mode house, um, mode house, H A U S like house Mm -hmm. salon. Uh, Mm -hmm. bridal.com they are it's a bridal dress sewing business and they have basically um, you know switched gears into making um, masks and so they had a really nice pattern that's a little bit uh, taller and covers Mm -hmm. more and their pattern also has room for putting a, a filter piece in there and like a little nose, um, metal nose fitted thing. Um, so pretty fancy over there. And the pattern, I would say that's definitely a pattern for people who are experienced and have a lot of experience, uh, reading patterns and sewing, but the, the pattern on the so good goods website, um, is great, um, and perfectly functional, There are lots... I would say there are lots of resources out there. And... Yeah,
3: that happened pretty quickly, I think.
1: happened really quickly. And so, yeah, I'm just going to make some more. And I have a ton of fabric that, you know, is just waiting to become something useful. So...
3: Cool. Can people just follow you on Instagram? Um, I'm going to... I'd love, first of all, if you wouldn't mind making sure that I have the right links for those patterns for anyone who's listening and then email them to you. And then if people want to follow you, are you up for that? And people can just uh, see what you're making. Yeah. Let's say, okay. So that's uh, at Laura Brown art, L a U R a B R O W N A R T uh, on Instagram. um, For all the good content, including these masks, including these masks.
1: I will put them in my link in my profile
3: awesome uh i'd love talking to you and i'm so i'm i'm inspired if i can get some sewing time to make a mask i think i have some elastic around somewhere yeah um well um thanks so much for talking to me and i look forward to continuing to chat on instagram and also uh, maybe chatting again
1: yeah absolutely thanks for having me
3: In the last part of this episode, we're talking to Anthony. Anthony is a therapist and a writer, and he's a professor of marriage and family therapy in Iowa. We met at the On Being gathering a few years ago. On Being is a radio show about spirituality and religion, and Anthony and I connected there immediately over the deep stuff. Things like religious promise and failure, the magnificence of the natural world, fatherhood and family. When we talked on April 2nd, Anthony and I got right into it again. Her usual and Anthony reminded me just how much we need empathy to get through this hard time. Hello,
2: hello, uh, how are you doing? I'm good, I'm good. I've been using um, the term hanging in there more than I think I ever have in my life. Oh man, so
3: which is conjuring for me the cat on the poster, you know, the like. With claws on things, <laughs> yeah. like hanging there, and the cat's yeah. like hanging on some side of a building or something. Yeah. Um. How is uh COVID nineteen life for you right now?
2: This week, better. Um. the The first week was like I was thinking about this before because I listened to a few of your episodes. I was like, all right, I'm gonna get ready to tell him how it's been. <laughs> <laughs> and so the big the thing that like stuck out for me the first week was. Just complete upheaval of schedule. I stayed yeah. up. I stayed up too late. My work was not good. Oh, you have uh, children around? Yes. Excellent. So, yeah, I just peeked because this is this is my first week working like totally from home. I was going to my private practice office, which is you know it's basically just me there. So, yeah. um, so I just peeked. I heard the door rattling. Um, but uh this is a
3: family friendly podcast, which means that family can't interrupt. They can't
2: yeah. again I I've <laughs> listened to a few of your episodes and I heard uh your little ones. So
3: <laughs> Yeah. Casper screaming. Um, yeah. <laughs> I finally moved the whole gig upstairs to the attic, so yeah. um no more screaming right now,
2: but yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So no, I mean it's been everything's changing, you know? Um yeah. teaching online, I see um all my clients, or most of my clients now online virtually, um, no school for the kids. So we're, we're, this week has been the best as far as everybody's um, adjustment, but it's hard.
3: Yeah, that's, it's really, really, uh, it is hard to try, like, who was I? Okay, I was. I'm gonna give the right credit to this, but I'm. It's also gonna make me sound like such a nerd. Okay, I love Survivor. So if you know me, this is not a surprise. <laughs> and I was on Instagram earlier, and uh, there was this. You know, everyone's doing these Instagram lives, and uh, Parvati Shallow, who is a longtime Survivor player person, okay, uh, was talking about how um, productivity is like a like standard of our culture. And right now there's a lot of people who are coming up against the fact that it's so hard to be productive and, and productivity is linked to uh, like American sense of Mm self-worth and it's really hard to not feel productive because you have your family at home. Mm -hmm. You can't get anything done. Mm -hmm. Everything is harder and a little scarier and like all those things. Mm
2: Mm-hmm that's, I've been thinking about that a lot. Um, and it's, I've noticed it has been bleeding over into leisure and relaxation too. Even, um, I, I feel this, I feel this pressure. Like I follow so many literary people and like booklets for the pandemic or booklets for quarantine yeah. or, or, um, you know, I get to, I'm going to binge so much Netflix now all the way to home improvement projects and weight loss mm-hmm. and diet. Um, and I've been experiencing, and I've, I've noticed this in the people I'm working with too, and it's just pressure even to be productive in as a shut-in, you know?
3: Um, yeah. <laughs> to quote unquote, make the most of this time.
2: Yeah. Yeah. When really we're just trying to hold things together
3: yeah it's uh we're it's a collective trauma we're experiencing
2: yeah yeah
3: and usually if you are going through a trauma like the loss of a loved one the death of someone uh, someone's passing like the you, you kind of give yourself or you should give yourself the leeway to do whatever feels right on the day yeah yeah as you're kind of grieving But this is weird because no Mm -hmm. one's ever been through it before.
2: And we're all going through it together.
3: Yeah. And we're not giving ourselves the leeway to follow our own intuition as Mm -hmm. to what is the right next thing to do.
2: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Sometimes
3: it's eating a gallon of ice cream. (laughs) Sometimes it is, you know, staying up all night writing. I don't know. Right. Right. But it's it's another, it's a whole other thing to put yourself in the chair and like force yourself to do what you saw someone else doing on Instagram.
2: Yeah. I don't, it's, it's just very weird and it's not the right word for it. It's surreal. It's scary. It's sad. It's also a little bit hard to grasp, I think, um, sometimes because even though there's been changes, um. When I'm sitting looking out my window, everything looks the same, you know? Yeah. It's, um...
3: I think uh the virus, uh, you, you know, I think the virus is, the, the, the fact of it is hard to, for people to grasp. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, if you don't know anyone that's sick, it's hard to yeah. kind of grapple with how serious that is. Yeah. And then I think the kind of social and economic upheaval is also hard to grasp in that way. It's like... yeah. When, when you know someone else, when you, when there are more and more kind of touches of the crisis in your personal life, yeah, the more intense you feel like the situation actually is. Yeah. And I think we're only at the beginning of that, unfortunately.
2: I think, I think so. I think so. Um, do you know Vladimir Nabokov, the author? Yes. Um, have you heard of his book, Pale Fire? No. Um I'll try to make this not too windy. because uh, he's a Take us on of, a journey,
3: Anthony. Okay,
2: here we go. Windy. Um but uh he this book is a it's my favorite book. I talked to you. my private practice, I'm a family therapist for those of you listening, um, is named after this it its namesake is this poem. It's called the Waxwing Psychological Services. Um 'Cause it was really important to me. Anyway, this book is an annotation of a poem written by a fictional poetry professor. So the poem is written by this professor named John Shade. The novel is an annotation um done by uh another fictional character and it starts with this actual nine hundred and ninety nine line poem and it's a really it's a really powerful poem. Um and the first line is, I was the shadow of the wax slain by the false azure of the windowpane. Anyway, the whole poem is him wrestling sort of with his life and his existence. And he was a sickly kid. Um, he had some near-death experiences as a child, then as an adult. Then his daughter committed suicide, and he had a heart attack. And it's just kind of this process of dipping in and out of uh wrestling with eternity and mortality and all these really powerful things um but there's a part where he's i think in the poem at least the way i was reading he sort of like sinks into the reality that of um that what he thought was unthinkable you know not being here anymore um yeah it's it's confronted him and he, ha- he has a line that's uh that says something like um other men die I am not other men. Therefore, I will not die. And that's not him like saying I'm immortal. That's him wrestling with the part of himself that says this can't be real because this only happens to other people. Um, Mm. You know, and then that's, he's kind of in a conversation with the the part of himself that knows like, no, this is really real. Um, And that line has been just going over and over in my head, not necessarily for mortality or anything, but we have to, it's really easy to not deny just about anything, at least cognitively. And I think one of my biggest challenges is reminding myself, like, this is real. This is serious. Um, but yes, my kids are having a hard time not seeing friends. No, we can't do play dates. You know, yes, yeah. I shouldn't go grocery shopping today, tomorrow, and, 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 uh, yeah, yesterday, today, and tomorrow, because real people have real needs and less resources than I do. This just, Ways that I haven't had to consciously think. This is like a
3: new thing I haven't thought of that you're talking about, which is how much this is stretching our empathy.
2: Yeah. When
3: you aren't actually seeing other people, but asked to think of them.
2: Yeah. Not only think of them, but, um, you know, act in their best interest. Yeah. And trying to get into their shoes and, and, Empathize and act. Yeah. People. Yeah.
3: Um, I mean, that's kind of a crazy thing, like, in human history. Like, because I, I work and have worked in nonprofits that work across borders and in different countries. Mm-hmm. and So I have a lot of experience trying to get people to empathize and then act in a way that benefits people they'll never meet. Yeah. And they're maybe on the other side of a planet that they've never even traveled across. Yeah. But what a crazy thing that we're all being asked to sit in our homes and think of other people. Yeah. And that every day we don't see anyone else. Yeah. And we're, you know, that's that's kind of wild.
2: I know. All over the and world. what a
3: hard thing to do. Yeah. Yeah like a stretch of the mind, like the imagination.
2: Yeah. And it, and like on a cellular level, we're not supposed to do that. <laughs> we're supposed to talk. We're supposed to hug. We're supposed to play. Yeah. I never noticed how much I interact and how much I touch until mm. I, I stayed put. And yeah I just, am like, I'm an extrovert. I just want to talk. <laughs> I just want to talk and, <laughs> and, and like stand close to people. And <laughs> I don't, you know, it's really hard.
3: Um, on a cell that's interesting on a cellular level what do you I mean what do you what do you think of when you think of like like the body being made to be around other people
2: um oh man so again just as some context I'm a therapist and I also I'm a professor of, of family therapy and one of the it's I've been convinced through my own personal experiences and then through my work and my teaching and my learning that this, I think the most healing thing we have is relationships. And, and when I say cellular, one of the things that I've really been become open to is that we're we're wired for connection in a way that um, it's at the like heart of who we are. We're social, you know. Yeah. Um, I I think about attaching to our kids right when they're mm-hmm. born, you know. Um uh one of the amazing things when our first daughter was born, Centina, um I I heard about this, you know, in birthing class, but babies get a reflex for just a little bit of time right when they're born and it's a crawling reflex. And when they're born, um, they they get this reflex to crawl up their mother's stomach. Um and then the mom's, you know, uh, secretes this scent and the baby can see just far enough and can crawl just far enough and smell, um, smell enough to start nursing. And then it's just this flash of, of instinct. And then babies can't crawl again for however long, you know, but wow. there's no way. I, I remember watching Santina do that and she's like, this is magic. <laughs> like, how does this happen? So even, yeah. you know, it just, that's what I mean by cellular like, yeah. biologically, spiritually, emotionally. It's just, um, there's a reason, uh, what is it? Isolation in prisons. What do you call that? Solitary confinement is torture. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: So what are you doing to like stay above water and to even like try to have a good day?
2: Yeah. Um, uh my wife marie and i we after the first rough week we set up a schedule together um yeah you know so i'm trying to work in exercise you know so the schedule work in exercise allowing space for her self care so we're kind of trying to move together in a way that w- we still have autonomy um uh I am somebody who productivity feels really good. (laughs) So I'm, I'm, I'm I'm not a list person usually, but I've been making to do lists and and tasks, just having that feeling of accomplishment. um, It's a really hard question to answer actually, Brent, because I think one of the maybe less healthy things that I do is throw myself into doing. And try not to think about how i'm feeling does that make Mm. sense feel how i'm feeling yeah so i try to keep in touch with friends um the app marco polo is pretty awesome um my family in new york in new york city we've been sending messages back and forth i've been talking to friends um facetime (laughs) you know what i mean trying to be trying to connect I've got. I've been carrying around like four or five poetry books. <laughs> you know, I, they're like a security blanket. So I'm just. I guess I'm kind of looking for for those things too. It's
3: hard. What's uh, what what poetry is? Uh, are you finding helpful?
2: Um. So Rilke is always a pillar. I feel like he's my poetry grandpa or something. You know, like always a safe place to go to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah i actually um i just copied down today one of my favorites which is from the book of hours i needed a reminder it's about like the creativity that can come from struggling because today was a hard day started as a hard day um so rilke um david white you know kind of the on being yeah uh uh-huh. pantheon you know that um really have always been really transformative for me and also um i love existential philosophy so i've been i've just been diving into a lot of that stuff too so
1: yeah
3: man that's uh that's really heady because i think most people um who are looking for comfort are going to watch you know real housewives of beverly hills so <laughs> <laughs> I, <laughs> I, would I know it's not you
2: I, <laughs> no i know it's it's not. Um, but I also have been watching a lot of Fail Army videos. Um, uh huh. Yeah. Sure. I, I have a very weird combination of very heavy, heady things and then just ridiculous, ridiculous humor. So, Fail Army, Aussie Man reviews. I can't believe I'm saying this (laughs) on a forum that people are going to listen to. But my friends. What are you
3: talking about? You're a real human being.
2: Yeah, my friends know that. And when I start sending ridiculous videos of like people wiping out on bikes or, you uh, you know. It's just like stupid stuff. That's when things get hard. So I have this very strange mix of, yeah, really heady, deep stuff, which kind of helps. And then also escapism which i love it's yeah makes me laugh
3: i haven't i mean I've, i i wish i had time to read i wish i had time right now for some entertainment and i'm starting to feel like maybe i need to make some time yeah. for it like the other night i was working so late that and i went right from our, this upstairs office to bed yeah and i just stayed up in bed for the next few hours because i just yeah. couldn't get my brain to stop you know. I, li- I listen I listen. so a maybe I should be watching some more Fail Army
2: <laughs> oh it's so good it's so funny
3: it's terrible it's terrible but you know um, <laughs> now I watch those videos and I'm like oh there's a hard surface the virus could live on there it's a hard uh, surface <laughs> <laughs> it's <up> so bad. <laughs> I'm like yeah. there's a handrail there's a lot of handrails in How Fail Army, handrail. I, I
2: know yeah I know fate, um, so, so they're, they're going things. down yeah it's terrible (laughs) i know (laughs) ever since i was a kid you remember america's funny Tone videos
3: oh yeah yeah
2: i would watch that and just lose it oh just like made me laugh so hard so ever since i was a kid that sort of thing i just i don't know why i have a great memory i went
3: on facebook right before um we started talking and i don't know where, where where was it there was some video, somehow I came across it. Um, and it was a family in the UK, which I'm sure many people by now have listened to. Because when I saw it, it already had like 30, 350,000 shares oh, wow. on Facebook. But they're like singing Les Mis. It's a family of five, like three young, four young kids, family okay. six, and two parents. And they've like rewritten Les Mis for the uh, quarantine.
2: <laughs> I haven't seen it and, yet. And
3: it's hysterical. They're singing one day more. And, uh, uh, but I I was laughing and I was also crying. I like started crying because I just like, yeah. needed to feel that level of happiness. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I was like, Oh, I haven't felt that in a while. That was good. Yeah. That was good. So yeah, this funny, silly stuff. Like, I don't know, somewhere in there we're looking for something we need. Yeah. It's nice when we find it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I agree.
3: So um, I, uh, I always ask at the end, um, if you have any words of encouragement for people out there who just might need some mm. kind words from a friendly stranger.
2: Yeah, sure. Uh, I think what just came to mind is just to say, you know, we're nothing more than human. And when we say something like that, we, that, that brings in things like fear, anxiety, and sadness and really the need to connect I, I was talking to my brother-in-law when this all started i said i said i almost feel this like compulsive drive to facilitate connection i just become so convinced that that's so important so um that's that's what i have
3: yeah Well, um, thanks for connecting to to me and to all the people listening on this thing.
2: Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Brent. Yeah.
3: you for listening and thank you to anthony laura and liana for coming on the podcast and for connecting with all of us if you'd like to help the podcast please go to apple podcasts spotify google play music or stitcher and rate and review this podcast it totally helps if you want to support an incredible artist and get a ton of bright sweet authentic content follow laura on instagram at laurabrownart And if you want to support Liana's work with the extremely vulnerable in Armenia during COVID-19, go to wvi.org slash Armenia. Finally, if you feel like someone you know might feel comforted by hearing the voices of everyday people as they share how they're getting through these tough days, please share this podcast with them on Facebook or Instagram. Here's a bunch of love to everyone out there. We'll get through this together.